Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Hello, church. Hello, family, YouTubers. Uh, what a blessing it is to be here and uh, give the last message of 2020. Um, Merry Christmas to you guys. I do miss you all, as Randy was just saying, to pray for each other. I thought of so many people when you were saying that. Mary and Adelio, uh, Bob, Rick and Carrie. Thanks for the cookies, by the way. Uh, Eileen, love you, sister. Miss you. Mauricio, Brent, all you guys, uh, you're very dear to my heart. Um, so Merry Christmas to you guys, and, and Happy New Year. Um, New Year's are fun. New Year's are great. Um, I always enjoy them. I'm a kind of a resolution type of guy. I like to make resolutions and, I don't know, strive a little harder during the New Year. But new things are good. Uh, you guys know you get a new pair of shoes you just feel good. You're walking with confidence in your new shoes. Uh, a new car, oh my gosh. You, and you, you know about the new car smell? Uh, and the Bible has so many verses about new things. You know, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Uh, Jesus talked about new wineskins and uh, new fabric, which was uh, a reference to the new covenant, um, which is where we live in our, in our theology. But uh, we're told to sing new songs and to be made new by every re- revelation given to us. That's Ephesians 4.23. So, so new things are good, and they're exciting. And new year shouldn't be any different. This new year should be an exciting time for you. Um, I pray that you have a feeling of a new day, a new horizon, just full of potential and promise. That's kind of the feeling I get when I think of New Year. Um, so I just want to speak blessing over you guys and your lives. May this new year bring you promise uh, of potential. Um, potential is a really interesting word, and we're going to get we're going to dive into this. But the new year is filled with this potential that you have, um, and I think this is why we make resolutions. You, um, you make a resolution so that you can fulfill your potential and be more healthy or be, more, uh, be a better steward of your, of your time, your time management, or, or your money, be more responsible with your money. Uh, it's funny that re- the word resolution, real quick, means uh, to like melt away or break, break apart, to break, a wa- break away and melt away. Uh, which makes sense because when you make a resolution, you're not just doing something extra. What you're really doing is you're breaking away and tearing apart your laziness or your irresponsibility with money. And so you make this resolution to change those things. Uh, and people make resolutions. I think it, 
It points to something that you value. If you make a resolution to be healthier, then it just shows you that you value health and you're, you're striving in that direction. So, so I encourage you all, make resolutions this year. Uh, you don't have to be all crazy and uh, whatever you want to do with it, but uh, make a resolution. Be healthier. Uh, be better with your money. Um, be better with your time. Uh, be a better environmentalist. Uh, whatever it might be, um, It's a new year. It's full of promise and potential. Victor Frankl, in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, talked about potential. A very interesting quote I always remembered as he said that part of true love is helping the beloved fulfill their potential. I thought that is so cool. Um, And when you think of true love, you think God. So the way I reread that in my mind is part of God is to help each other, fulfill your potential. And what God does is he helps you fulfill your potential in, a, in, in every way. Uh, I think we limit ourselves and I think we limit God too often and we're content. But uh, anyway, I'd like to, like to just encourage you to step into something this new year and fulfill your potential. Um, so today I'm going to talk about Uh, something that I just love about being a Christian, something I just love about living the Christian life, uh, and it's stewardship. That might sound weird, like, what? You like managing your your life or your stress? But no, I do. I I like splitting hairs. I don't know, that, that might sound funny too, but I like to have to get down to the, the, in my life and, and make sense out of my decision-making and why I make certain decisions and really uh, either justify it or you know, learn about myself through my decision-making. I really do like having to toe the line and think to myself, why am I willing to spend $50 on a bottle of whiskey, but I'm not willing to spend $50 on a remote control car for my son? You know, and some people might be convicted by that. And, then, and sometimes I am convicted by stuff and I go, hold on, that doesn't jive in my life. Why am I willing to spend that amount of money for something I like, like say a bottle of whiskey or for you, maybe it's a shirt. Some people spend $50 on a t-shirt. I think that's silly. But this is what makes you, you. This is where you draw the line in your life. I think that it, it opens up something about our character that if you're willing to spend, you know, $1,000 on a guitar, but you wouldn't spend $1,000 on, say, a car, that defines something about who you are, you know? And me, I'd rather have a $1,000 guitar and a $500 car, but that's me. You guys are different, and that's okay. You know what I'm saying? It's okay, but I've always had fun with this splitting hairs of thing in my, in my life. You know, am I okay with watching three hours of television a day? No, I'm not. I have other responsibilities and things that I need to pay attention to. So what about two hours a day? Mm, no, still no. Okay, what about an hour and a half? Okay, I might be okay with that. An hour and 40 minutes? Mm, no. So here it is, I'm juggling, I'm, I'm splitting hairs, and it's fun for me. So please uh, just have fun with it. Uh, don't be so rigid in your dogma and how you live and how you try to please the Lord. Remember, we live in grace. So, so this is your disclaimer. Uh, just live in grace and have fun with it. But learn about yourself. You know, learn, take an audit and an inventory of the things you spend and the things you get angry over and the time that you spend for certain things and, and what you invest in, because then you'll really learn about yourself. And I think that's 
the great journey of life is to learn who we are. You know, you might think you know yourself, but we really don't. And it's fun to get to know yourself when, when you look at your behavior, when you look at your inventory, when you look at your, your emotional reactions and all those things. So anyway, um, that's part of the disclaimer. Just stay in grace. Uh, and the other part is that the lives that we manage and the way we have to navigate through issues in our lives is very much like a ship on water. It, it's fluid and it's soft and it's ever-changing. It's moving. It's dynamic. So you can't just hit cruise control. Uh, you can't just set a formula for your behavior and expect it to work out for the rest of your life. You always have to walk in wisdom and be willing to change and either give more or give less or spend more time doing something or less time doing something and constantly manage. Um, and that's what a steward is. A steward is a manager. And we are called to be good managers of the things that God has given us. Um, a great parable uh, in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, uh, such a great parable. Uh, but Jesus makes it pretty clear that we are to manage well the things that he's been given, the, the things that we've been given. Um, most of the time, I think, like in, in these commentaries, you might read about that parable. It's really about your time, your money, and your talents or your abilities. Those are kind of the big three um, that people will refer to. Uh, when Jesus spoke about that parable, I, I really think he was talking about the kingdom of God. And as we're going to see, increase is mandatory. Since you've been given the keys to the kingdom, you are a child of, of the light. Uh, uh, we walk in the light. We are a son of the most high God. It is our job. It is our responsibility to advance the kingdom, to further the kingdom. Increase is mandatory. You'll see that the servant that didn't increase is considered wicked and unfaithful. Um, so anyway, let me start with uh, a verse out of Luke 16. This is our verse of the day today. Luke 16, verse 10 out of the TPT. I feel like a, a weatherman. Just kidding. Uh, Luke 16.10 says, The one who manages the little that he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. Very, uh, very interesting picture that Jesus paints here. Very telling. The way that you manage the little things in your life will probably be the way that you manage the bigger things in your life. And if you are wise and diligent with the little things, God will entrust more things to you. Uh, and it's interesting that it's responsibility, which sounds like more work, but we'll see later that's, that's actually a reward. Um, so let's look at this parable of the talents in Matthew 25. You can go ahead and turn there. Uh, we're not going to have it on the screen because it's a fairly long parable. Uh, pretty famous parable. It's also called the parable of the minas, I think, in the New King James. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation, Matthew 25, starting, again, starting at verse 14. Jesus speaking. He says, 
heaven's kingdom is like the wealthy man who went away on a long journey and he summoned all of his trusted servants and he assigned his financial management over to them. Before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one servant, to another, a bag of 2,000 gold coins, and to the third, a bag of 1,000 gold coins, each according to his ability to manage. The one entrusted with 5,000 gold coins immediately went out and traded with the money, and he doubled his investment. In the same way, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 gold coins traded with the sum and likewise doubled his investment. But the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After much time had passed, the master returned to settle accounts with his servants. And the one who was entrusted with 5,000 gold coins came and brought 10,000, saying, See, I have doubled your money. Commending his servant, the master replied, You have done well. You have proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you have been faithful steward to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 2,000 gold coins came and said, see my master, I have doubled what you have entrusted to me. Commending his servant, the master replied, you have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you were faithful to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, come celebrate with me. Then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins came to his master and said, Look, sir, I know that you are a hard man to please, that you're a shrewd and a ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. I was afraid of you, so I went and I hid your money and I buried it in the ground. But here it is. Take it. It's yours. Angered by what he heard, the master said to him, You are an untrustworthy and a lazy servant. If you knew that I was a shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? Then I would have received it back with interest when I returned. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 gold coins and give it to the one who has 10,000. For the one who has will be given more until he overflows with abundance. And the one who has hardly anything, even what little he has will be taken from him. Then the master said to his other servants, now throw that good for nothing servant far away from me into the outer darkness where there will be great misery and anguish. Wow, that's a very deep, rich story. There's so much there. Um, Like I said, traditionally people look at your time, your, your money, and, and your talents or your abilities. But I really do think, uh, thank you Danny Burden for pointing this out to me, that Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. We have been given the kingdom and it is our job to advance the kingdom and grow the kingdom and increase is mandatory. If you just give back the, what you were given, you're considered lazy, wicked, unfaithful, and you're cast away from the master. I mean, there's a lot of implications there. But here's your exhortation to shine, church. We're, ch- we're children of God. We're, we should be full of joy. We should have peace in our lives. We should have strength. There should be integrity. We should be 
better evangelists, in my opinion. We should share our faith. We should talk about God. So that's your exhortation. Take the kingdom of God. We've been given the keys to it. Open the door for everybody in your life, everybody around you, even the ones that are part of the church and people that are, you know, saved or Sam was talking about the saints and the ain'ts. Even people that belong to God, it is still your job to minister to those people. And of course, the people in your life that you don't know, even strangers. So shine, church, shine. That's, that's our job. I find it very interesting that the servant who did not increase, the, went and, the one that went and hid the money, it was really a, a, a matter of his attitude. You notice that he talks about his fear of the master. I knew you were a shrewd businessman and I was afraid of you, that you make profit off of other people's backs. And therein lies the problem. If his attitude towards his master was not one of fear and his view of the master wasn't one of a shrewd, ruthless businessman, he probably would have been at least more comfortable to go put the money in the bank and gain interest, like he said. So you're your view of God and your view of the master needs to be one of a loyal, loving master who provides, not one who just cracks the whip on the servants and is a ruthless, shrewd businessman uh, making profit for, you know, off of other people's backs. So it's, it's in the attitude that you have about the master. You have to have the right attitude about God in order to be in a position to go and invest the things of God freely and not be so worried about it, and not be fearful that, you know, you might lose or whatever. So walk in confidence knowing that your loving God is a faithful father who provides, and that's what he does. Um, I think we can go boldly into the world, uh, especially with the kingdom, knowing that it will increase. Playing the stocks, that's a different story. We need to use more caution with that. But um, let's look at these areas through the lens of stewardship. Uh, I loved Sam and Jordan's take two from uh, two weeks ago. They, they talked about getting different perspectives on a certain topic or, or on, a, on a certain idea. Uh, and they, they said that the rabbis look at scripture or you know, the, the truth in scripture uh, as a gem that can be uh, looked at from all angles and you see the way it's cut and that determines the way that the light shines into a certain, you see where the lines are drawn. Uh, so I just think that's a great picture to look at something. So like today, we're going to look at stewardship. We're going to look at it from different angles. We're going to look at it from uh, our time angle, see what we can do with our time, which is a tough one in my opinion. We're going to look at it through the lens of money, see how we can be better stewards of our finances, our assets, our resources, uh, even our possessions. Uh, we're going to look at it through the lens of our talents, our, our abilities, um, your gift, giftedness, I would say, even your network. Some people have a bigger network. So now they have to have that stewardship over that network because they have it. It's just part of, their, of who they are. Um, the environment, which is one thing that God gave us, and also our health. So let's, let's start with our, our health. Um, the first thing that God gave you was your body. Um, and let me just say something. This is my opinion, so take it with a grain of salt. I don't, know, I don't think this is biblical. 
but it's going to sound maybe a little bit bold, uh, but if you don't take your health seriously, you don't take God seriously. And I know there's some exceptions to that rule. There are some people that love the Lord dearly and they just maybe struggle in that area. That's fine. I just want to encourage you and exhort you to take care of your body, to take care of your health. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. A lot of New Year's resolutions are about health. Either diet or fitness or combination of the two or both. Christians should be healthy people. Uh, Physically fit, strong, able-bodied you know, available to help. Somebody needs help moving and you can't help because you're out of shape. You just lost the chance to serve God and other people because you're not taking care of your body. Um, Some of us drink too much. Some of us smoke. Some of us eat too much sugar. Uh, And then there's all these diets that I don't know what they are, but there's the carb one, there's the keto one, there's the... (laughs) Uh, but this is just my encouragement to you guys. Pay attention to your body and take care of your body. Um, life, you know, Christians are pro-life, and that doesn't just, that does just mean babies. That means our life. We should want as many years on this earth as possible. And I've always said, I want to live to be 100. But I have friends that say, oh, man, 70, I'm good. If I can just get 70, I could check out. It's like, no, man, life is precious. You should, much as want, you should want as much of it as you can possibly get. So stay healthy, friends. And if you guys, this is a good pl- a chance for people to connect, too. If you guys start exercising or get into a specific diet, share your journey and get involved with another person and do it together. Because you know when you have an exercise partner, it's just so much better. You can go so much further when you have a friend to work out with. So honor God with your health. Be a good steward of of your health. The second area is uh, time. And this one is hard because we're only given, we're we're all given the same amount of time. We really can't do anything more within 24 hours. You know, minus eight for sleep, so you got 16. Then you got to work eight or 10, so you're stuck with eight or six after that. And life is so busy um, with kids and uh, work and school and your new exercise regimen that you're going to do after the new year, (laughs) Um, shopping and maintenance on the car and the house, and there's so many chores to be done, and um, you guys are involved in ministry, and you got to make time to play music, of course, and it's really a hard one. my advice to you is to pray about your time. Pray that you could make the most of your time. I mean, have, have you ever said that prayer? Dear God, help me to make the most of my time. Help me to balance my life in a way to where I feel like I'm getting rest, feel like my wife is getting the attention she deserves. Uh, I'm still very diligent at work. And every, you know, 
It's very hard. This, this is the one that's, that's very hard. Life goes by, right? Randy and our kids are 10. <laughs> it's like, what happened? <laughs> um, so manage your time wisely. Maybe even make a schedule. Uh, I always like to manage my weeks. So I'll do like, okay, Monday is a fitness day. Tuesday is going to be a study day. Uh, Wednesday is going to be a day of rest. Thursday is going to be a day where I enjoy my family or I, I give my wife special attention. Friday will be something different, maybe practicing music or practicing a craft or studying or something or doing some research, things that you want to learn. But um, manage your time wisely. Uh, you know, I think we're told in the New Testament to make the most of our time because the days are evil. Make the most of your time. Uh, my grandma used to say downtime is the devil's time. So <laughs> uh, stay busy, but don't be too busy. Make time in your life for important things and, and rest and leisure and recreation. Th- those things are just as important, I think, as uh, chores. So good luck with the balance of the time in your life, but be a good steward of it. The third area here is money. And man, this is, uh, this is a big one. Jesus talks a lot about money. Don't quote me on this, but I think he talks more about money than he does about grace and love, right? Um, let's turn to Luke 16, and I'm going to read another parable that Jesus told, the parable of the uh, dishonest manager, I think it's called in my translation. So let's go to Luke 16. I'm going to start in verse 1. Um, and so we're, we're looking at stewardship here through the lens of money. But it's not just money, remember. It's possessions. Uh, it's assets and things like that. So if you have a car, if you have a house, be a good steward and take care of your car and your house because those are the things you've been given. Uh, and they're worth money. They're, it's, it's very much like managing your money. So let's go to... Luke 16, Jesus is teaching this parable here. He says, there was once a very rich man who hired a manager to run his business and oversee all his wealth. What a great picture right off the bat. If you you think of the, the rich man as God and ourselves as the managers, Jesus gives us the authority to run his business and oversee all of his wealth. Anyway, Soon a rumor spread that the manager was wasting his master's money. So the master called him in and said, is it true that you're mismanaging my estate? You need to provide me with a complete audit of everything that you oversee for me. I've decided to dismiss you. The manager thought, now what am I going to do? I'm finished here. I can't hide what I've done and I'm too proud to beg to get my job back. I have an idea that'll secure my future. It'll win me favor and secure friends who can take care of me when I get fired. So the dishonest manager hatched his scheme. He went to everyone who owed his master money, one by one, and he asked them, how much do you owe my master? One debtor owed $20,000. So he said to him, let me see your bill. Pay me now and we'll settle for 20% less. The clever manager scratched out the original amount owed and reduced it by 20%. To another who owed $200,000, he said, pay me now and we'll reduce your bill by 50%. The clever manager scratched out the original amount owed and he reduced it by half. Even though his master was defrauded, 
when he found out about the way that the, sh- the shrewd way that this manager had feathered his own nest, he congratulated the clever scoundrel for what he had done to lay up for his future needs. Jesus said, remember this, the sons of darkness are, are, are more shrewd than the sons of light in their interactions with others. It is important that you use the wealth of this world to demonstrate your friendship with God by winning friends and blessing others. Then when this world fails and falls apart, your generosity will provide you with an eternal reward. And here it is. The one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? And if you've not been proven faithful with what belongs to another, why should you be given wealth of your own? I like this story because of how the the master commends the shrewd manager, the, the scoundrel he's called, for being crafty in his dealings, in his, in his interactions. And then Jesus says, you know, people of this world are more crafty in making money than people are of the light. It's important that you use the wealth of this world to demonstrate your friendship to God. I think that Jesus, one of the things he's saying here is, make your money, make deals. You should be striking deals and making money. Uh, some people are a little too timid to make money or to gain wealth. Uh, I, I had an old Christian friend who said, a Christian should never drive a car that's worth more than $60,000. I completely disagree, but anyway, um, don't be so timid in your money making. Go out there and make money. Why? To be generous. To demonstrate your friendship to God with your generosity. I mean, there should be businesses hatched and and you guys should be getting together in business and making money and giving giving each other advice on the stock market and we should be wheeling and dealing and making money that's just the bottom line why so that we can use the money to demonstrate to the world that we're friends of god and and generosity is a beautiful thing man uh it is a beautiful thing when people give even the littlest amount it's just that it it warms the heart uh, when, when people give. So be a good steward of your money. Uh, a pretty popular rule, uh, rule of thumb is the 80-10-10 rule where you manage your life and you pay your bills and you basically live off of 80% of your income. You save 10% and you give away 10%. It's a pretty good rule of thumb. It's at least somewhere to start. Everybody's budget is different. So this is, again, one of those things we have to navigate in wisdom. You, you can't be too generous and give away all your money because then you won't be able to make your house payment or, or your kids won't have food to eat. So walk in wisdom, but be a good steward of your money. And I like that word audit. It's like take an inventory. Uh, and and I, I'm guilty of this. I'm convicted in this area because I'm not a numbers guy. I don't balance my checkbook. I, I, know, I know people that balance it to the penny. I don't, I don't do that. Um, I don't even know how much is in there right now. I, mean, I could give you a ballpark, but I don't even know how much money I have, which is a problem. I need to be a better steward of my money um, to really know what I have to work with. If I don't know what I have, how do I know what I have to work with? Um, 
be a good steward of your possessions. Like he said, you know, if, if you have a car, you need to take good care of it. Take good care of your things, you know. Um, it's just irresponsible, um, and it looks bad when, when you don't take care of your things. So um, be a good steward of your money. Um, learn how you can invest. Learn how you can give. Um, and then it's not set in stone. Like I said, we have to walk in wisdom. It's a real fluid thing that's always changing. So um, continue to walk in wisdom and, and maybe even reach out. I, like I said, so convicted over this, I reached out to a dear friend, Ted. Hey, Ted, uh, who's very good with money. <laughs> I said, man, you seem to be good at this. Maybe you can help me. And he was more than happy to sit down with me and look at my budget and help, help me in any way. So I encourage you to do that if that's something that you need to do better at. Uh, find somebody who's better at it than you and get some help. Um, the fourth area we will look at stewardship is in our talents. Um, this is a great one. Our, our abilities, uh, your giftedness, the resources you have. I talked about the network you have around you. Um, we can really take an inventory of those things too and be more conscious and I think more intentional in how you use your gifts. And I think a lot of Christians get stuck like, oh, well, I have the gift of encouragement and that's it. But God gives us gifts for a season and in a moment. So you may not even know you have the gift until God gives it to you in that moment so that you can give it away and use it and share it. Um, But use your gifts. If you have hospitality, be hospitable and exercise your gifts. Give away your gifts and encourage people with your gifts. Um, You have certain talents. Randy, you're a phenomenal musician, man. You know, I call myself a a musician. I'm not like, I just like play with the guitar. You play the guitar, brother. You have a gift and, and you use it. Your gift is being exercised. You know what I'm saying? You're feeding the flock with it. It's, it's also, it's way more than that, I know. But um, it's great. It's great that you're using your gift. You probably feel like you're living up to who you're supposed to be when you use that gift. You're, you're living out the life that God has created you to live. And I love that. Um, and I, I do have the gift of encouragement. And when I share uh, like my poems, for example, sometimes, it's just... I love to see people get so encouraged. So quick story, I was on a job site and this is a customer I've been dealing with for like six months, a very cool guy. Uh, and I could see a look in his eye or a furrowed brow or something in his eye that was stressed or worried or whatever it was. And I, I was just given some discernment that this man needed some encouragement and that I should share one of my poems with him, my poem on how to ride a bike. And so uh, I'm like, oh, man, it's so corny. And I get, I get kind of like nervous about it. I'm like, God, can't I just like give him a pat on the back or something easier or less corny? But um, I saw him and he goes, you need anything from me? And I was like, yeah, I need to share a poem with you. <laughs> He's like, okay. You know, we're dudes on a job site. And I'm going to share a poem with you. But anyway, uh, I told him, I said, this is for you. I, I feel like you need to hear this. Um, and so I shared my poem with him. And my whole point is that I was aware of my gift and I used it intentionally in that moment for that person. Uh, and I, I just pray that he was super encouraged. As a matter of fact, he walked away going, woo, yeah. And that was, he didn't even say thank you for that or anything. He walked away just so excited, you know, hooting and hollering. So 
uh, I do pray that he was encouraged. And, and I do know that I was given that discernment. I was faithful to use my, to use my gift. I was a good steward of my gift in that moment. And it'll, it'll reap eternal rewards in his life. I pray that he was encouraged by God and touched by the spirit of God. Um, don't underestimate the little things, guys. Um, in our men's group, we used to say that, that there's no small chore. Or there's no small task in the kingdom. If you hold the door open for someone and you believe that the spirit of God will move through that loving act of holding the door, guess what? The spirit of God will move through your simple task of opening the door. If you don't believe it and you just think you're holding the door, then you're just holding the door. But if you believe you can and you believe you can't, you're both right. Who said that? Henry Ford? Whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. All right, so I think that's good for the talents, the abilities, gifts, resources, network. Again, these are all ways we can look at our stewardship, take an inventory, take an audit of your health, of your time, of your money, possessions, assets, your talents, abilities, gifts, resources, network. And finally, uh, our environment. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and God gave us this earth, and we should be good stewards of our environment. Um, In my opinion, Christians should be better environmentalists. I think we fail at this sometimes. Um, and it, maybe it's a personal conviction that I have, uh, but, you know, I recycle. And when I don't recycle, I feel like a dirtbag. <laughs> uh, there's an old story. When I was younger, I used to litter because I didn't want the fast food trash in my truck or whatever, so I would just throw the trash out the window. And little by little, I started getting really convicted over it. And like, oh my gosh, like you're a dirtbag. You threw your trash out in the window, out of the window. Like you're just trashing the environment and it's not cool, you know? So then I would have like a trash and I'd, well, this ketchup packet. And I didn't want the ketchup packet to get on the seat or anything. So I, well, I'd just throw the ketchup packet out the window. And I felt like a dirtbag. So finally, <laughs> God has uh, convicted me over and over again. And now I don't litter. Um, and there's times where I'll do, I'll throw something towards a trash can. And if I miss and it lands on the floor, I have to go pick it up because I don't want to be a dirtbag. Um, but we should be good stewards of our environment. Um, you know, some Christians don't even want to drive a car. They, they'll ride a bike because cars are bad. The emissions are bad for the air. And that's okay. As long as they know their convictions, and they know they're, they're taking a steward of how they feel about their stewardship, of, of how they feel about their environment. And it's really about being you, you know, like I said, about splitting those hairs in your life, what you're comfortable with and what you're not, and, and decide in your life what you're okay with, you know. Some cr- Christians have no problem. They drive a car. They'll dump their oil in the dirt or dump your paint or your electronics in the trash. Um, and it's not cool. The earth is beautiful, man. Uh, we don't even know the half of it. I, I've heard it said that the, 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 la- the final frontier, it's not outer space. It's the bottom of the ocean. We still, don't, we still can't even get down there. We know it's there. But um, when you think about the earth, it's perfect. The atmosphere here that allows us to breathe and the animals that God created, you know, from elephants and rhinos and giraffes and the insects that crawl in the dirt and the birds that fly through the air. It's crazy. It's perfect. The light that shines and we see everything. You know, we've traveled for 
millions of light years. We haven't really found anything. It's dark. It's cold. You can't breathe. God is here. One of the ways we know that is because you look at the earth. You look at the animals, the plants, all the fruits, all the vegetables. It's, it's, pheno- it's phenomenal. It's, it's amazing. So be a good steward of, of our environment. Um, I think that's important. So let me just reiterate. I said it about health. If you don't take your health serious, you don't take God serious. I'm going to say it about time, too. If you don't take your time seriously... You don't take God seriously. If you don't take your money seriously, you don't take God seriously. If you don't take your talents and the gifts you've been given seriously, you don't take God seriously. And I think you guys know what I mean by that. I'm just trying to have some hyperbole here, some strong language to provoke you um, to be a better steward, maybe to take it more seriously than you have been. Um. Back to that word potential. Potential comes from the word potent. Listen to the synonyms for the word potential. Powerful. Able. Capable. Possible. Better. Preferable. Chief. Principal. Strongest. Foremost. Those are all God words. God is your potential. If you're inspired today to get fit and have a better diet, it's God in you that will pull you forward into your potential. Um, If you're inspired today to manage your money and balance your budget better, be a good, better steward of your money, it's God that is pulling you into that wisdom. God is your potential. And we can be good stewards all we want, We can manage our money. We can get on the health kick. We can be intentional with our gifts and abilities and this and that. We could be good stewards of our environment, but unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain, guys. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. So be a good steward. But know that you're building your house on the Lord. It's the Lord who's building your house. It's the Lord that's giving you potential. It's the Lord that's helping you manage. It's the Lord that's giving you all these wonderful things we have in life. God gives it to you. So go from there. That's your starting point. And then you won't labor in vain. You won't manage in vain. You won't steward in vain. So that's my prayer for you guys. Um, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, are just so thankful, Lord, that you give, you gave uh, so much to us. Thank you uh, for your son, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you just came and you died for us. You lived for us and you died for us. May, may we do the same. God, you give us so much, um, not just us and our bodies but our, and our time, but you give us this wonderful earth, Lord. You give us children and family and friends to look after you give us jobs houses and cars and to manage and you give us money and assets and friends and networks and it all comes from you lord we acknowledge that you are our great provider um, and we thank you that we've been entrusted lord to manage wisely help us 
to manage wisely. In any way, God, that we've been moved, uh, encouraged, or convicted this morning, may we step into that area of our life and be better stewards of you and the things that you give us, God. Thank you for this opportunity to teach. Thank you for my Genesis family. Bless Sam and Kareen on their trip away this weekend. May they find rest and refreshed. God, may we all be refreshed this new year. Uh, I love you, Lord, uh, for what you've done in my life and in all my friends' lives. We're all testimonies, God, to the strength and the healing and the peace and the joy we have in you, God. So we celebrate you again this morning. We, We give you this day because you gave it to us first. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. May our lives be this continual response, God, to you and how you give. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.